and it's a wonder working power there is power to deliver there is power to heal there is power to serve there is power to bless there is power to uplift there is power to comfort right in the blood of the lamb we give you the glory we give you the praise this morning as we look at your word oh god i pray in jesus name let the words of my mouth the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight oh lord my strength and my redeemer we bless your name this morning in jesus name amen amen welcome to church thank you so much worship team once you're done with the communion please feel free to take your seats we bless let's just clap hands for the worship team this morning it was really good we bless the name of the lord i will welcome guests right at the end of the service We are continuing with our series which we started last week and uh, today is part 2 how to overcome the three traps and temptations in life how to overcome the three traps and temptations in life there's quite a lot that we need to cover today uh so I may go beyond uh the the allocated time but if I see that we still have got quite a lot that we need to go uh then I I'll cut it off and then we'll continue next week it will just mean that uh the the series may take us then beyond Easter so we may have to take a break somewhere in between and do the Easter festivities then carry on to uh finish off but let's let's trust god that will be able to cover everything else that we needed to cover today it is my prayer and my hope that you are going to be blessed amen how to overcome the three traps and temptations in life i said last week that many people don't realize the depth of God's love for them how much God loves them and that's why we are caught up in the three traps that we've been looking at and these tra- three traps have to do with the value system of the world we looked last week at 1 John chapter 2 this 15 to 17 where the bible says Do not love the world or things in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father but is of the world and the world is passing away and the lust of it but he who does the will of God abides forever we also looked at John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life and we looked at the distinction between the two that the bible is saying love the people of the world but hate the value system of the world and we looked 
that the value system of the world is built on three things, which are the three great traps and temptations in life. Number one, lust of the flesh. And we defined lust of the flesh as the temptation to feel. Uh, when a person says, I want to feel pleasure. And I said most of the times when you talk about lust of the flesh, people just immediately think about sex. But actually, there's quite a lot, as we saw last week. There are TV shows, there's food, there's drugs, there's alcohol, there's movies. All of that is covered in that lust of the flesh. And a lot of that is because we want to feel uh, pleasure. We want to feel good. And we go into all these kind of things. And then we looked at last of the eyes as the temptation to have. So you see it and you want it. And I said, that is the bedrock of materialism. So there are some things that until we see them, we do not realize that actually we could do without them. But the moment we see them, then we are taken up and thinking, oh, I need this one or so. And yet all this time, you have been able to live life with all those things. And I uh, said, be careful about what you see. And we covered quite a lot around that. And then finally, we looked at the pride of life. Uh, and I said that pride of life has to do with the temptation to be, the temptation to be envied, the temptation uh, that when people look at you, everybody goes like, wow. And I said, that's a background and that's a bedrock of secularism. So when you look at us as believers, we are as secular and as materialistic as the world, and we tend to go towards those value systems of the world, which actually God says don't, and then we hate the people that God says don't hate. So I said we have gotten things upside down, but the Bible says love the people, hate the value system of the world. And we covered quite a lot of things. I quickly said last week that uh, we are going to look at three key things on how then do we overcome. Uh, if, if you didn't listen to last week's message, please, I would encourage you go get the podcast and or go on the Facebook page and you're going to find last week's preaching. So I don't want to go through all the details because of the time that we have today. And I said in order for you to overcome, because we are looking at about how to overcome, how to overcome, how to overcome. Um, I said three things, and these are the three things that we look at today. Uh, today we'll look at one, and then next week we'll look at the other, and then the other week we'll look at the other. So the three things quickly are integrity, humility, and generosity. These are the three things that we are going to look at. Integrity, humility, and generosity. Today we are going to be looking at integrity, what integrity is and what it is not, and how can we become people of integrity. There was a time when God decided that he wanted to anoint David as king, and then he spoke to Samuel and said, I want you to go to Jersey, and for I have chosen myself uh, a king among his sons, uh, and uh, I don't want you to weep for so forever. I've rejected him as king, 
So I want you to go there. And then Samuel said, how can I go? If I go there, so, and, and he hears, then he's going to kill me. And then God said to him, I want you to take a heifer, go over, and uh, then tell them I've come to sacrifice. And as Samuel was coming in, uh, and obviously God told him, you, you call upon Jesse and his sons, and then, uh, but once David has come, then the one that I have chosen, you anoint him as king. So as Samuel gets in, uh, the people were very afraid and say, have you come in peace? And he says, no, I've come to sacrifice, and I want you to join me in the sacrifice tomorrow. So the, the elders of the city uh, or the town came, came along, and then uh, Jesse started bringing in one by one of his sons, and uh, Abnadab and, and, and Eliab and all the others. But today we just want to look at what God said when... Uh, Eliab, as the firstborn, came, and then God, let's see what the Lord said. So in verse 7, in verse 7, as soon as Eliab had come, everybody, uh, even Samuel said, ah, surely, 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 uh, this is the Lord's anointed. And uh, so I want you to see the response in verse 7. The Bible says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his fiscal stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. Let's say that together. For the Lord does not see as man sees. Say it with a bit of energy. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So there's already a distinction. Man looks at one thing and God looks at another thing. So already we are, we are separate uh, from God. And, and I want to say quickly as, as we begin that God is not interested in appearance. Amen? God is not interested in achievements. God is not interested in your accomplishments. God is not interested in your acquisitions. God is not interested in how educated you are. God is not interested in how rich you are. God is not interested in how popular you are. God is not interested in how famous you are. There is one thing that God cares about, and that thing is that God cares about your heart. Hallelujah. Because that's the real you. What is inside you? That's, that's the real you. So God is interested in the real you. That which is inside you. You can dress very, very well. You can be very educated. You can be very rich. You can be very famous. You can have great accomplishments. You can have great achievements. You can have wonderful appearance. And God is not interested in any of those. God is interested in the heart. In the book of Matthew chapter 5 verse 8, the Bible says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Hallelujah. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So the reason why the Bible is saying, these shall see God, it's, it's basically saying, if you have purity of heart, which we'll discover and, and define just right now, the Bible says if, if, if you have a pure heart, you are bound to experience the presence of God. And it's amazing that all of us, 
really, really want to experience the presence of God. And God immediately gives us the answer, just be pure in heart. It says they shall experience the presence of God. Those that are pure in heart, they shall feel the power of God. Those that are pure in heart, they shall know the purpose of God for their life. Those that are pure in heart, they shall live in peace. In the peace of God. And they shall experience the pardon of God. God blesses the pure in heart. Hallelujah. And, and, and when you look at the purity of heart, the Bible is actually challenging us that that is the integrity of heart. Those that are blameless. Now, immediately, when, when I mention those two key words, it may unsettle you a little bit. But actually, when, when we talk about the pure in heart, when we talk about a man or a woman of integrity, when we talk you are not, you are blameless, we are not talking that you are sinless. As you will see as we carry on. We are not talking that you are perfect. Because if you had to be sinless, and if you had to be perfect, if you had not to make any mistakes in life, in order for you to have integrity, then nobody could have integrity. Somebody say amen. I'm trying to make you happy for, for now. But, but, but that's the reality of life. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. So if the Bible says that, that means we sin. Amen? That, that means we are not perfect. That means we make mistakes. So, so it, it has nothing to do with that. What, as I said, God is interested in your heart. God is interested in your attitude more than your actions. It's, it, he is very interested in that. God is interested in why you do what you do than what you do. He, he is interested in that because that's a bedrock. Why do you do what you do? So why do you lie? Why, why do you gossip, for instance? Why, why do you do all these things? God is interested in the why. He is interested in the cause. He is more interested in your heart than your actual sins. Actually, God is not interested in your sins. He is interested in your heart. He wants to know your heart. Hallelujah. There is something interesting in the book of, of Genesis. I, 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 I looked at that and I was like, this is interesting. The Bible talks about Noah. The New King James Version says in, in chapter 6 verse 9, he says he was a just man and he was a perfect man. That's all the Bible says about Noah. But when you go to, Gen that's Genesis chapter 6 verse 9. But when you go to Genesis chapter 9 verse 20, the very same Noah that God is saying he is just, he is perfect, he's a man of integrity, you find that he is totally drunk to the point that he doesn't know whether he has dressed up or he's, or he's dressed up. He embarrasses himself big time that his sons... One of them sees his nakedness. And, and he goes to call his brothers. And the brothers have to walk backward. And cover the nakedness of their father. The just man and the perfect man is drunk 
to the point of stupidity. Um, that's not a license for you to drink, by the way. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I'm just trying to show you that, that it does not mean you are sinless or you are perfect or you doesn't make mistakes. You look at David, whom we are going to look at just now in a bit more. Uh, in a bit more. The God says he's a man after my own heart. And the next minute, the guy is lusting after Bathsheba. You, you look at Abraham and says, it says, this man, the righteous, righteous ever. The next minute he says, she is not, she is my sister. And, and they ask him why he says, oh no, I don't want to die on the account of her. And God says, this is a just man. You look at Moses. The Bible says there's no man as, as, on planet earth as humble as Moses. And the next minute the guy is so angry. To the point that God says, you know what? For what you have done, you are not going into the promised land. I'll make you see, but you're not going there. You look at the life of Paul. And, 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 you, and, and one day, actually, Paul, I, I love Paul. One day, Paul, I think John Mark was, he was neither here nor there. And, 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 and Paul was so angry with him. He says, I don't, I don't want him anymore in, in ministry. Let, let him just go and settle home. Then the other day, he calls him back. So the Bible is trying to show us all these things. That these men... As you read about their lives, God says they were just, they had integrity, and yet they were not perfect. But the one thing about them, they had a heart just like God's. And, and, and that's my challenge to us this morning. That we desire to have a heart just like the Lord has. Hallelujah. So what does it mean to be a man or woman of integrity? Three things. Three things. Number one, when we talk about a woman or a man of integrity, it means your life is whole. H-W-H-O-L-E. There is wholeness about you. Your life is not divided up into different segments and different compartments. Hallelujah. Your life is, is one. Because when you look at the word integrity, it comes from the word integer. Now, when you are doing mathematics and you, do, you talk about integer, you talk about a whole number. You, you are not talking about a fraction. You are not talking about a decimal. You are talking about a whole, the whole number. So one, it's not one and a half. One and a half is different from one. Two and a half or two and three quarters is different from two. So, so when you're talking about an integer, you're talking about one. It's whole. Hallelujah. So when you take that and apply it to us, it means we have to be whole. It means my work life, my church life, my spiritual life, my family life, my sex life, my social life, 
It's all one. It's not defined, divided into different compartments. I do not begin to say, but this is my church life, and this is my social life, and this is my work life, and this is my family life, and this is my secret life, and this is, and this is my sex life. The moment I begin to divide my life into different segments, I don't have integrity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, church. You will laugh later, but for now, listen to this. The, mo- the moment I, I, I begin to say, this is, my, this is my family life. And my family life is different from my social life, is different from my work life, is different from, from my, my church life. Then I don't have integrity. Because I, I need to be whole. Number two. Having integrity means you are authentic. So there is authenticity about you. You are not fake. You don't wear a mask. Hallelujah. You are exactly the same no matter who you are dealing with. Hallelujah. Last week I said I am exactly the same and when I'm with the king's kids, when I am with you, when I am with Barack Obama, or when I am with the president, or when I am with a cabinet minister, or when I am with the CEO of another company, when I am with people in the village, I, I, it's me. I, I do not wear a mask. And then I, have, I become a person of different personalities. I don't change. It's me. People don't have to guess. They know this is Macduff. Hallelujah. If one time you speak Chechenese, you come to church and you praise the Lord, hallelujah, God bless you, brother, or the spirit of the Lord is moving, and then immediately in another category, you are swearing, and there is foul language coming out of your mouth, you lack integrity, you are a hypocrite. Hallelujah. So the way, the way, when I, the way, when, the way I speak to anyone else, it's exactly the same. I am not fake. So I want you to go back and begin to check how, how you behave when you are with different categories of people. Hallelujah. And, and that one, you don't hide behind it and say, oh, but pastor said that there is nobody perfect. Hallelujah. And thirdly, it means you have got genuine motivation. You do the right thing for the right reasons. Not for the wrong reason, but for the right reasons. You are sincere about why you do the right thing. You are straightforward and there is no mixed motive. Because it's, it's interesting. Do you know even with prayer, prayer you can... Either pray to talk to God or to impress other people. Good morning, church. You, you can pray to, to, to talk to God and you can also pray to impress other people. 
In church, on a Sunday morning or on a Saturday morning or whenever we gather for night of prayer, you can actually, your heart can actually tell you right now, Macduff, begin to, begin to declare all the verses. And as I am praying, I am busy declaring the verses, but the reason I'm declaring all these verses is to impress you that as for me, I memorize scripture. No, not that I'm praying to God. I, I, I have, the attention is not God. The attention is you for you to know. Hey, the man can, the man can pray scripture, man. Sounds spiritual. But what is your motive? So the question is about why do you do what you are? So integrity is what you are and what you do when nobody else will ever find out what you have done in life. If, if we were going to find out everything you have done, are there some things that are going to make you uncomfortable? Or you can say, no, my life is bare. But they, can, they, can, they can check. Because that's a real you. Hallelujah. The sad part is that even as believers, we are more interested in the image, the public image, what the public will think, what everybody else will think. And, and actually, I always laugh that people will say, that they'll care more about their reputation, what the world will think, what the public will think, than what God will think. Than their real character. Than their real them. So God is interested is in, in integrity. He's interested in, in you. So let's look at uh, Proverbs 11.20. I'm, I'm a bit quick this morning. Proverbs 11.20. New Living Translation says this word. It says, The Lord detests people with crooked hearts. But he delights in those with integrity. He detests. He hurts. People with crooked heart. What is a crooked heart? A crooked heart is a deceitful heart. A crooked heart is a fake heart. Is a perverted heart. Is a condescending heart. It is a twisted heart. The Bible is clear. The people with such kind of a heart, God detests them. He is not interested in them. He hates such kind of people. He wants your heart to just be clear, straightforward. And he blesses those with integrity. Hallelujah. And, and why is God interested in all these things? They have, they, I'll share with you three benefits. Why God is interested in, in, in the, your integrity of heart. Number one, when, when you are real, when you are not fake, when your motivation is right, when you are authentic, you are not wearing a mask. During the time of uh, the great Greek philosophers, the time of Aristotle and others, what would happen is people would have, uh, they, would, they would be casting a play and uh, so this would be the stage. And uh, I would 
wear different masks. So it would be me, I would appear on the stage wearing one mask and play a different part, then go behind stage, wear another mask, appear on stage and play another role. It's, it's the same me, but I'm wearing different masks. And the Greek word for that is hypocritos, where the word hypocrite comes from. Different masks. So what I'm saying is, when, when, when you are you, you don't have to wear chinyau. You don't have to wear different masks. You don't have to, you, you, you are, you are, you are not fake. You are authentic. There are benefits that will come into your life. So let's look at the benefits and then we'll look about how you can now begin to go towards that. Number one is, it gives you personal confidence. It gives you personal confidence. And because it gives you personal confidence, the thing that gives you personal confidence is because you know who you are and you know where you are going. Hallelujah. You know who you are and you know where you are going. And there is nothing to hide. You are, you are not fake. You are authentic. You know my motivations are right. Hallelujah. And because you know who you are and you know where you are going, what will end up happening is that I can assure you one thing that will happen because of that personal confidence. You'll be ready to be open and you'll be ready to be honest with your thoughts. You, you will not pretend to be Superman. And, and there will be a few things I'll share with you today. So that maybe we can be rebelated. You, you will not pretend anything. You'll, be, you'll literally be open. You'll be able to confess I goofed. You'll be able to confess I made a mistake. You'll be able to say, but you know what? I am struggling in this area of my life. You will not have a secret life. And, and this thing whereby we say it's my life, it's none of your business. I want you to know. It's my business. Hallelujah. Because you and I, we are in this together. There is absolutely nothing you can do in secret which you think will not affect me. If I am blessed, you will be affected. If I am not blessed, you will be affected too. Hallelujah. Secret sin is not private as we think it is private. Hallelujah. So because of that, you are open. I always laugh when I begin to counsel people. I can meet somebody else for five times. The first time they will come, they will tell you a lie. They will not tell you the whole story. Second time, they will tell you half of the story. Part of the story, not the whole of it. Third time, the only time People will come and tell you. They, they literally say, now, let me tell you the truth. Fifth time. And you say, so what have we been doing all this time? The expectation is that I should be a magician. I should, I should, I should be able to, to what? Tell me the word. To discern the real truth. So if I say the real truth... Then you'll be shaken and you'll be afraid. And then you say, hey, he's the real man of God. Me, I don't play that game. I work with all you give me. Amen? 
So, and you are, because, because of that, you are so confident, you know I'm not perfect. You know I make mistakes. You, you know I, I am still a work in progress and you are ready to be open and honest with your thoughts. And I want you to know these people. People who are open and honest with their thoughts in life, they are attractive to be around. Because they help you also not to be basa basa. They, 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 they're there. It's so relaxing. It actually it strengthens your life. In Proverbs 10 verse 9, the Bible says, New Living Translation, People with integrity walk safely. But those who follow crooked paths will be exposed. They'll be what? Exposed. So you are in business and the way you, you, the way, check the way you answer your phone. One lie here, one lie there, one lie there, and then the person calls again and you say, Kodi Nina Muza Kudijani. What did I tell this person? Is the Bible says you will be exposed. You can lie as much as you want to lie. And cover up as much as you want to cover up. But one day, one day, one day. In Malawi they say, You'll be exposed. There's a guy... It's, it's heartbreaking, but Ravi Zacharias was an amazing man of God. He, he could meet an atheist and, and argue with the atheist until the atheist believes in Christ. He had a ministry, the part of his ministry was in Canada, in the US, there was a part of it in Europe, in the UK and everything. He died sometime last year. But in the middle of his ministry, there were women who were busy saying, oh, this guy has done that, this guy has done that. And part of it, he would pay to keep them quietly, and then they would sign in a disclosure agreement, and all sorts of things and all that. Then later on, after he died, a, a, an investigation took place into his life. And the report is very public. You read that report you wouldn't believe. As I speak right now, his, his ministry in Canada, they have closed the ministry. The one in the UK closed the ministry. Even the ones in, in, in the US, there, there are some troubles there. Unfortunately, he is dead. He can no longer speak for himself. So whether you are alive, and, and unfortunately, his son and his daughter now, they have to deal with all these issues. And if, it, if, if it's not exposed during your lifetime, it will be exposed when you are dead. Exposure, the exposure will come. That one is a guarantee. Hallelujah. Proverbs 11 uh, verse 3 says, The integrity of the upright will guide them. It will show them the way to go. It will show them what to do in the transitions of life. It will show them and understand the plan of God for their life. But it says, but the perversity of the unfaithful would destroy them. Church, I want us to understand. 
One day, one day. That's New Living, Trans, uh, New Living Translation again. It's not the New Life version. But, but it says the perversity of the unfaithful would destroy them. So that's that's second thing. The first thing. Sorry. The second thing, the benefits of integrity is that you have a lasting legacy. Hallelujah. Your greatest legacy in life is not going to be the money. It's not going to be the accomplishments. It's not going to be the education. It's going to be your integrity. Hallelujah. That will be your lasting legacy in life. We went for the burial of my father-in-law in January. And I understood one thing, what happens in the Sisepi church. So they asked for his uh, tithe card. It was presented to the church. We went for burial. And when we went for burial, the person who was leading us in the funeral service, as he did everything else, and he was talking about, and their works follow them, they took the tithe card and throw, throw it into the grave. And he got buried with his tithe card. Now, it made me understand something. I'm like, okay. Okay. But I looked. He was a simple man. He was a very simple man. His nephews and others are the ones that are well known now. But he was a very simple man. The funny thing, it was not external people, but it was his children who spoke about his life. And we had to sing a song, which was one of his favorite songs in life. And uh, for the first time, I understood how much my father-in-law was a man of integrity. He was simple. There was, nothing, there was nothing about him that could make you think of anything. So what I want to say is that money, this busyness we have in making money, money, if there is any money left when you die, it will be shared among your children. It will be shared among your relations. And you know what they will do? They will spend it. They will spend. Hallelujah. Your work will be given to someone else. Please let us not be thinking that we are the best thing to happen after Adam and Eve. And that when we die, our job will not be advertised. I want to guarantee you, they will advertise, it will be in the newspapers, and we will see the advert of your job. And we will say, And somebody else will come and do that job even better than you. They will not pass it to your children. The trophies we are busy about in life, all the trophies that Lewis Hamilton has, I support him. Okay, Formula One. All the trophies that Tiger Woods has had, 
All, all these trophies that people have, you walk into a house of a footballer or you watch on TV and they've got all these accolades. I want you to know, one day, one day, they will be sold. Why am I saying so? It's because we have seen other things that happened before which people have sold. The, the, the English word I think is memorabilia. All the ones that Michael Jackson had, all sword. Sword. But the integrity you have is going to be your lasting legacy. Proverbs 20 verse 7. It says, the godly walk with integrity. Blessed are their children who follow them. New Living Translation. The godly, the godly walk with integrity. Blessed are their children who what? Who follow them. So if you are so messed up right now in your walk, in your life, you know the best thing you can do is make things right today. Amen? Amen? Because as long as last week we checked whether we are still breathing, there was only one person who, did, who didn't feel the heart beating. I'm not going to disclose the names today. But one person is here in church today. Didn't. So I know now they are alive. But last week they were not alive. They didn't feel the heart beating. You know what? The fact that you are here before me today, it means your story is not over. But you have to make a decision to make things right. Amen? Sometimes the greatest integrity is the one you show when there are no blessings. One day Job lost everything, but he made a decision that he was going to have integrity. And by the time you come into Job chapter 42, the man had, the man had a double blessing. So don't make a decision to mess up more because you are already messed up. I, I wonder how we think. Uh, everything is already messed up, so there's nothing I can lose. Let me just mess up the more. But the interesting thing is this. Somebody is watching. You may think people are not watching. Somebody is watching. There is actually somebody who looks up to you who they have never told you, but you are their role model. Number three. Just know that somebody is watching. Amen? <laughs> That's not number three. But I just want you to know. Somebody is what? Somebody is watching. Number three. There is a blessing of, the, of reward in eternity. And that's the greatest blessing. I wonder why we forget about eternity these days. Matthew 25 tells a story of three servants. The master is gone to a far country and he gives them uh, talents. One ten, the other one two, the other one one. The one with ten... Multiplies it. The other one with two multiplies it. The one with one says, you are a wicked man. So I buried it in the ground. In Matthew, therefore, Matthew chapter 25 verse 21. 
The Bible says to the one who multiplied it, it says, His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And I want us to understand as a church this morning that it is in the small things where the rewards are. Amen. Because the bigger, mo- the big moments are easier. The big moments are the ones whereby everybody is watching. But in the small moments, in the small things of life, in the small choices of life, when no one is seeing, that's where the rewards are. The small things. The small things. The small kind of encouragement you give to someone else. The small kindness act of kindness you do towards someone else, those ones are going to be rewarded for eternity. If there is one thing, the Bible says in Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. One day God is going to reward his children. And I can assure you, it will be the small things. Why the small things? Because the small things are tough. It is in the small things that your perspective easily gets off and you do the wrong thing. It's the small things. It's the small things. Money, money is a small thing. Money is temporal. When you compare money and to the, to, to the choice of eternity, I've told you already, your money is going to be shared. Abacha had money all over the world. They went and discovered it and brought it back to Nigeria. The small choices matter for eternity. And what I want us to understand as we now talk about how then do you get integrity. But what I want you to understand is this. We are not here forever. Yesterday we went to a funeral for the sister to one of our brothers here in church. Yesterday was Saturday. On Thursday she went to work. She was fine. The driver dropped her at home on Saturday after she knocked off. On Friday morning, early morning, she just collapsed. One of the neighbors came, rushed with her to the hospital, and they pronounced her dead on arrival. What touched me was the driver who dropped her the previous night, the previous evening, came to pick her to work on Friday. So he arrives at home and says, I've come to pick madame. And the people say, have you seen the leaves? And the people say, and the driver says yes. He says, it's her. And the driver was shocked. He couldn't believe. He couldn't even drive the car from what I heard. Because he couldn't believe. Now, I want to tell you something. Do you know how you're going to live here? Have you ever, have you worked out how you're going to depart? 
Have you, have you worked it out? Something, yes, somebody shared with me yesterday. He says, whether you are in first class on a plane. He says, whether you are in first class on the plane, or whether you are in economy class on the plane, when that plane crashes, you all crash. I said, but it's still first class. It's nice. <laughs> but what I want us to know is that let us not forget this thing that we are not here forever. One day, you are going to be history. You don't know. I don't know. You don't know whether you're going to be sick for a long time and then we'll be coming to see you and bring you juice. You may even deny us an opportunity to bring you juice at the hospital. We'll just be told, hey, he's gone or she's gone. So the small choices you make, those ones matter for what? Eternity. We are not here forever. How do we get integrity? Let's go to Psalm 15. I just hope I have some time. Yeah, I have a bit of time. Psalm 15. I'll read the whole of it. It says, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? New King James Version. Who gets to be close to you, God? I'm adding now some things. And then I'll continue the scripture. Who gets to understand your power, God? Who gets to be in your presence? Who gets to experience your peace? Who gets to understand your purpose? And the answer is in verse 2. He says, he who walks uprightly. Other versions says, he who walks in integrity. And works righteousness. And speaks the truth in his heart. 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 That one may abide in the tabernacle of the Most High. That one gets to be close to God, understands the power of God, gets to be in the presence of God, gets to experience the peace of God, gets to understand the purpose of God for their life, speaks the truth in his heart. Let's go to the next part. Verse 3. He who does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend. Do you know what backbiting is? Huh? It means I eat your back. I bite your back. It means slander. It means gossip. It means putting someone down. So the Bible says, the person who any time puts someone down for any reason, that person has just lost integrity. But this one, this one, the one that the Bible is talking about in verse 1, he says, this one refuses to slander anyone with his tongue to listen or to even share gossip. Be careful what you forward on social media. 
unless you establish to be the truth, then forward it. But otherwise, you may be the spreader of fake news. It's easy to destroy, very difficult to rebuild. Let's carry on. In whose eyes a vile person is despised. So somebody is coming to share gossip. Somebody forwarded me something yesterday. says, is this true? And I said, I'm hearing it from you for the first time. says, no, it was on social media. End of February. I said, I didn't see it. No, it was there. And I said, really? He says, yes, sir. That was the end of the conversation. But it was a slander against somebody. And even though I had received the message before, I was not going to be part of that discussion. And that's the choice you make. Amen? Since in whose eyes a vile person despises, but he honors those who fear the Lord, he who swears to his own hurt and does not change, he who does not put out his money at usury, Nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. This one shall be, shall walk in security, shall walk in stability, shall be confident. When you lack these things, what happens is that you begin to walk very, very insecure. So if I say, uh, uh, we, we need to meet, we need to talk about something, you begin to say, what did I say about Pastor? Has he found out? So you, you go there very innocent. And then you discover it's not that you go like. <sighs> A man with integrity walks securely. You should not be afraid to meet people. Then you begin to think, ah. Have they heard? The whole reason we feel so insecure, largely, is because we are not working in integrity. There's no wholeness, there's no authenticity, and there's no genuine motivation. Integrity demands that every aspect of my life, every aspect of your life, is treated with the same intensity. The same commitment to excellence in my marriage as in my career. The same commitment in ministry and parenting as in making money. The same commitment to do the right things with the right motivation as doing the right thing. Same. So let's try to share six things we'll try to do this week. Okay? Six things we'll try. Just six things. Let's try these six things this week. Number one, you become a person of integrity by keeping your promises. What comes out of your mouth, you keep it. It's called verbal integrity. People of integrity keep their word. If they say, I will do it, They what? They do it. 
If they say, I will be there, they will what? They will be there. If they say, you can count on me, it means you can count on them. So this week, if you know you will not be there, don't say, I will be there, and then I will send an excuse. This week, if you know you will not do it, don't say, I will do it. Hallelujah. Proverbs 25.14 says, A person who promises a gift but doesn't give it is like clouds and wind that bring no rain. You look at the clouds, you look at the wind, and you say, wow, it looks like it's going to rain. And all of a sudden, you wonder, ah, what happened? You are like that. A person who promises a gift, but doesn't give it, is like clouds and wind that bring no rain. It's easy as saying, people who promise things they never give, they are like clouds and wind which bring no rain. They are worthless, they are vapor, they have no benefit. So, here are questions I I want to make to you. What promises have you made that you have not kept That you need to keep. What promises have you made? That you have not kept. That you need to keep. Children, children. Children. Broken promises for a lot of children. For children, generally. generally. Broken promises to them is the number one cause of bitterness in children. That's why they say, Mommy, you said. Daddy, you said. So if you know you are not going to go and watch them playing on stage in a play, don't say, I will come. And don't come home and begin to say, no, but things, circumstances change. It doesn't matter. You promised. I will come for night of prayer. You better show up for night of prayer. It's better to say, Pastor, I am not coming. So that I don't count you in tea. (laughs) Hallelujah. It's better to say, I'm not coming, Pastor. I'm 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 not going to show up. Then we know you're not going to show up. But don't promise and don't keep that. That one causes bitterness. People begin not to like you. Woe unto you when children, your children are bitter with you. Have you made a promise to your spouse that you are going to change? And to this day, you are waiting for, my son, my son, you are about to die. Change now. (laughs) How many promises? I'm going to change, honey. I'm going to change, honey. I'm going to change, honey. And you cause bitterness in people not to like you. The only reason they are living with you is because they are children. 
What kind of life is that? We should be together just because of kids. What will happen when the kids are gone? Then I'll say, who are you? Where did you come from? Let's go to the court. People divorce after 41 years. If you are going to change, just change. Don't love Arsenal and chase more than your wife. I will change. I will change. And you are not a, you are not a man of integrity. The same goes to the wives. Have you made a promise to God? Have you made a vow to God and you have not kept it? You don't have integrity. That's why in church I always say, if we are going to make pledges, if you know you are not going to keep a pledge, please don't be taken out because everybody has taken a pen and a paper. So that you too should be seen you took a pen and a paper. It's better not to make any promise. It's better not to make any vow. And you say, oh, but circumstances change. It doesn't matter. The point is you have no integrity. Psalm 15 verse 4 says, you keep your word even if it hurts. Hallelujah. Even if it's going to cost you more than you thought it's going to cost you, you keep your word. You become a person of integrity by keeping your promises. In 2013-2014, we had a shop by ShopRite. We were selling weaves and wigs and all that. A young lady and her friend came into the shop and I was selling in the shop on that day. They really liked one of the weaves. And I said, no, no, uh, this is the last one, but we have a new consignment coming in. So he says, okay, fine. Uh, and, I, and, 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 you know, I, sometimes I talk quickly. So I said, and you get a new one when it comes? Uh, you, you, you get it at the same price. So then the new ones came. And MRA was not nice. So I paid heavy on the duties. The young lady showed up to get her weave. And I said, I'm really sorry. They charged me a lot of money. So I can't sell it to you at the same price. He says, but you promised something. I said, but I'm really sorry. So, so, so you are not going to keep your word. I said, oh, but I'm really sorry. <laughs> but you promised. Now, unfortunately, she knew I was a pastor, but you promised pastor. <laughs> Telling you a long story short. I lost that customer and I lost all the other customers she could have recommended to me and the shop closed and the business failed. I lacked integrity. I needed to keep my word even if it was going to cost me more. I needed to keep my word even if it what? Hurt. Now we have started talking. So I'm showing you, but my heart is for God. Number two, 
You become a person of integrity by paying your bills. It's called financial integrity. The way you use your money is a test of integrity. Do you spend more money than you make? The reason why every month, every month, every month, you are in debt, you are in debt, you are in debt, you are in deficit, deficit. I know sometimes life can be hard. So I'm not judging you on that one. Sometimes I know life can really be difficult. Life can really be hard. But do you have a habit of spending more money than you make? Watch in anger, watch in anger. Cassava, you take on, on debt. Tomato, you take on debt. Nguani, you take on debt. Everything you take on debt, even at your workplace, they know that as for you, when that young man comes in with bras from Kaunjika, you take five. You can't allow some things just to pass you by in your office. Just because everybody is picking, it doesn't mean you have to pick. And then when the person comes for their money, you begin to say, ah, but you know, oh, but, 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 hey, but, but. You begin to kill your grandmothers and grandfathers and you begin to kill all sorts of people. You lack financial integrity. Be content with the little you have. Amen? Do you take debt in things that you can't pay? You lack integrity. Psalm 37, 21 says, The wicked borrow and never repay, but the godly are generous givers. Do you default on loans? Do you default? I, at one time I sat with a young man in my house. And he was in a big mess. Water had been disconnected. All sorts had been done and all that and done. But I love that young man for one thing. I said, I want you to tell me all the loans and all the debts you have. Even if it's took watcher. And it's amazing how he remembered all the debts. And we counted. There were, I think, about 28 million. And I said, I was one time in debt over 25 million. And I'll tell you how I got out of that debt. And we started to work. And every month when he gets money, he would say, I've got, a, I've got this money. I'll say, come home. We would sit down together. I say, okay, did you pay this one? Yeah, this one I gave Pangono. This one I gave that. That one I gave that. That one I gave. I said, okay, this time around, let's give this one. Let's give this one. Let's give this one. You keep this one. You live on that. He got out of the debt. He showed commitment to people. But for you, you begin to answer phone calls. There are some phone calls you don't answer. You even change your, your number. Some numbers you have blocked. You lack financial integrity. You blocked those numbers. Even when you call people now, by now, because you don't want them to know it's you, and you memorize their voice, you have changed your number to private number. You are stingy. You can't give. How many people do you owe to this day? And you've been running away from them. That if they will just know you come to KISIS, they'll say, you mean that one is also a believer? 
Romans 13, 6 to 7. It's getting hotter now. Pay your taxes to, New Living Translation. Pay your, your taxes to for these same reasons. For government workers need to be paid. It's in the Bible. Oh. New Living Translation. For government workers need to be paid. They are serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them. And give respect and honor to those who are in authority. So it's saying don't defraud government of taxes. Hallelujah. And sometimes we don't know, but the, but the government is using my money. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You, you know why? What the government does with your taxes, one day, one day, one day, they'll be accountable to God. And you are accountable to God to pay your taxes and not cheat on them. Because if you do, you lack integrity. Hallelujah, church. Oh, time is going. Number three. You become a person of integrity by refusing to gossip. Refusing to gossip. It's called relational integrity. You don't talk one way with one group of people and then go talk about them behind their back. You act as their best friend and behind their back you slaughter them with a panga knife. You say one thing here and you say another thing there. It's called gossip. Amen? The Bible says you do that, you lack integrity. And the sad part is you are not going to have God's blessings on your life. If you keep gossiping like that, one of the reasons why you may not be making some breakthroughs is because you gossip too much. So somebody was to bless you, but you gossiped about them. It's, it's in the Bible, it says, if you say a word about the rich, a bed, a bed, the Bible says a bed, will take that word and go and tell them. And you say, hey, that wicked man, that man is wicked, that woman is wicked. And they heard you were saying they were wicked. On that day, they wanted to bless you. So, yeah. since you said, I am wicked, I will show you my wickedness indeed. Be very careful what you say about people. Hallelujah. Do you know that accepting stolen goods gets the same charge as stealing? You know that? It, it happened to us as a church. We bought a stolen keyboard. And we went to police. As a church. Somebody said, somebody else in church, no, we have found this keyboard. I said, is the person who is selling it, is it really, really genuine? No, it's genuine. I'm of South Africa. Da, 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 da. We bought. The next thing we heard, he stole it from another church. We had to give back the keyboard. We never recovered our money. So I want to tell you, accepting gossip is exactly the same thing as offering the gossip. And every time you gossip, you lack integrity. Here is my question. Can you keep a secret? Can you keep a secret? Can your mouth be zipped 
and keep a secret. Proverbs 11.13. New Living Translation. A gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. New Living Translation. That's why I'm saying, check the things you forward on social media. Check. Check the things you forward on social media. Because real friends walk into your life when everybody walks out. Amen? What you said in the group stays where? In the group. And when you mess up and blow it, you actually need a few friends in your life who will cover you and keep your confidence. Because you are just like Noah. A just and perfect man who was drunk one time and he was naked. Proverbs 10.18 says, Hiding hatred makes you a liar. Slandering others makes you a fool. Gossiping about other people makes you a fool. Number four. Looks like we'll finish. Just allow me to take a bit more time. You become a person of integrity by faithfully tithing. Faithfully tithing. It's called spiritual integrity. Tithing is a test of integrity, church. Don't, don't be taken up by all these arguments that happen on Facebook and people who just don't want to be generous and give to God. Because even if we argue about tithing, but you know you can see somebody in church who really needs something and you can't give them a cloth. You can't, you can't even give them a dress. You can't give them even a shoe. Wait until the day we talk about being generous. You look at somebody else in church and you can't give them anything. You are so stingy. Believer. Believer stingy. You can't bless anybody. You're happy to see others almost walking naked. You can't be a blessing to them. Why? Why do we do this? Because we are as materialistic as the world. One of the ways God tests your heart and your integrity is through tithing. Do you put him first? Do you trust him with your finances? The Bible says, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. Matthew 6.21 And I will say, whatever you put your money in first, wherever you put in your, money for, your money in first in your life, that's what's most important to you. It's, tithing is a test of integrity. Let's not, let's, I was going to read Malachi chapter 8 verse 8 to 12. But when you come to verse 10, verse 10 of Malachi chapter 3, let me only read verse 10. In verse 10, the Bible says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing, that there will not be room enough to receive it. It's a test. And then in, from verse 10b, he, he begins to give you the promise. What I can encourage you this morning is God is saying, can you dare trust me on this? 
What is tithing? It's 10% of your income. Is it net? No, it's gross. Why, pastor, are you saying that? Because that's what I do. If I get a new job, I don't tell you, oh, so my net is so and so. I come to show off. So that you are very convinced I got a very nice job. And I'll tell you my gross. So why should I hide to God? And at least you have got a pastor and an associate pastor who doesn't steal. We don't eat your money. We don't steal. You can go and check in the church accounts. We don't steal. Amen. Number five. You become a person of integrity by doing your best at work. Doing your best in business. Doing your best in your academics. Do you do your best at work or you only work hard when your boss is around? The rest of the time you are playing games on your computer. The rest of the time you are gossiping. I've seen people, people can gossip. eh? Even in these offices, people gossip. The rest of the time you are gossiping. The rest of the time you're on Facebook. Or doing your own things. Because you don't like the job. Do you take supplies from the office home? Pens and paper and notepads to which you go and give your children to take to school. Do you do that? Don't follow the world. Others may do it, but the reason why they do it, it could be either they are not a follower of Christ, or they don't care about integrity, but you do. You do. You you care about your legacy. You care about your rewards in heaven. Amen? Proverbs 18.9 says, A lazy person is as bad, as destructive, As someone who destroys things. A saboteur. Whether you hate your job or you don't hate it. Do your best. Otherwise you are sabotaging. Or vandalizing somebody else's business or company. And if you don't give your best at work. The Bible says you lack integrity. Ephesians 6.6 says. New New life version. Do not work hard only when your owner sees you. You would be doing this just to please men. Work as you would work for Christ. Do what God wants you to do with all your heart. As a believer, your real boss is God. I remember I told my boss that. I said, I'm not here because of you. And I said, you're not my boss. My boss is God. The reason I am here is God. And I'm not accountable to you. I'm accountable to God. I fear God. From that day, our relationship changed. Because I knew I'm not there for them. I'm not there because of them. I'm not there because I want to impress them. I'm not there because I want to please them. I'm there because I fear God. And when I say I fear God, try my job. You know But you know what? 
God is watching you all the time. God is watching you all the time. It's a test of integrity. It's God's will that you don't waste the time, you don't waste money, you don't waste resources, all the owner, all the business, all the employer, who employed you? It's a test of integrity. When you read Colossians chapter 3, 22 to 23, it says, it just in summary, it says, don't just do the minimum to get by. Do your best. If not, you need to change. You need to repent. That's my verse. I've, I've put it in those words. But you read it, it, that's exactly what he's saying. And, and I want to ask you, imagine what would have happened in Malawi if Christians went to work on Monday. The believers in Malawi went to work on Monday morning with integrity. What testimony of Christ we would have in this land. But we are as thieves as the world. We are exactly the same. Finally, number six. You become a person of integrity by being real with other people. You are not perfect. You are not sinless. You do make mistakes. Even though you are not perfect, you are not sinless, even though you make mistakes, but your heart is in the right direction. You are not trying to be something that you are not. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians 4 verse 2. It says, we have to put away all things that are done in secret and in shame. We do not play with the word of God or use it in a false way because we are telling the truth. We want men's hearts to listen to us. God knows our desires. It means you are authentic. You care more about God's approval than the approval of other people. How will a young man keep his way pure? Psalm 119 verse 9 says, by living his life, in my words, according to this word, by staying in the book. Otherwise, you're going to have no strength, no stamina, no stability. So, as we finish now, St. Augustine said these words. He says, the confession of bad works is the beginning of good works. If you're serious about becoming a person of integrity, the first thing you need to do is you need to own up and accept that you haven't had integrity. You need to admit it and say, God, you know what, God? I don't always keep my promises. I often gossip, but I don't like it. I don't like it. I can't say that when I gossip, I feel good. I don't like it. And you know what, God? I've been using your money. I'm I'm really sorry about it, but I've been using your money, God. And I don't like it. You You know, even God, I work, I don't do my best. And I don't like it. I've been saying I don't like that job. That's why I don't do my best. But God, I don't like it. I I don't like it. Lord, you know, I fake it. I wear a mask. I've got a segmented life. I have a secret life. And even I've got... Otherwise, God, I know this thing is going to sink me one day. I know this thing is going to take me down one day. I know it. I said it already. What do you do with your life is my business. Otherwise, you have no right to be in this church. 
because I don't own this church. This church belongs to God. In the same way, what I do with my life is your business. I can't say because I'm a pastor and therefore you can't hold me accountable. One day I'll be exposed. Amen? Why we are in this together? You cannot sin and think it will not affect other people. Sin may be personal, but it's never private. Even if we never ever get to know about it, it will affect us. What husbands do, even if their wives don't know, it will affect them. It will affect their children. What wives do, even if their husbands don't know it, it will affect their their husbands, it will affect their children. You can't do anything in life and say, oh no, it doesn't affect other people. It does. So this thing whereby we say, oh no, it's only, it's, it's my personal business. It's my business. It's the utter end of foolishness. Let's, 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 let's understand that we are in this together. You cannot behave, am I my brother's keeper? I am your keeper. I am interested in seeing you in heaven. I am. So when I come, it's not because I want to go and expose you. I want you to live right. You are as struggling as I am struggling not to gossip. Do I gossip? Yes, I do. And I don't like it. Do I lie? I do. But I don't like it. Maybe now you will stop coming to church. But I've told you the truth. I don't like it. Hallelujah. Because Satan wants us to believe no one will know, no one will be hurt. I want you to know, private sin rarely stays private. Hallelujah. When David sinned against Bathsheba, soon it became part of his public legacy. And there's nothing David can change to change it. Can do to change it. Let me tell you something. Do you know computers get hacked? Do you know people break into passwords of people? If your password is broken tomorrow, tomorrow, what will appear on social media about your life? Computers get hacked. Have you heard that you go on a website, it says, we use cookies here. And you have to accept. Do you know what cookies are? Cookies track your web traffic. That's what cookies do. And you just say, agree. Cookie, agree. You think it's biscuit. (laughs) They are tracking your web life. And people one day would discover what you thought was a secret. You can come up with the best password ever. You know, even phones. You know, you know, I will not disclose this one, but even phones. I've I just discovered it yesterday, yesterday. I can just use that one da, 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 and hack into your phone. And check your message. And you say, I've got a password. And your wife wants to touch your phone. No, no, you can't touch my phone. Your wife, no, my, your husband, no, you can't touch my phone. People hack into phones. And you watch pornography on your phone. You watch pornography on the internet and all that. It will be exposed. Private sin rarely stays private. But God can forgive our sin. 
However, he cannot reward us for it. Every moment we spend in disobedience is the moment we cannot go back and correct things. And I will tell you, it's a lost opportunity for obedience. The obedience that God would have rewarded us for eternity. First Corinthians 3.14 says, If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. My works on planet earth one day will be tested as in fire. Number three, private sin hinders the work of God through us. Ephesians chapter 4.30 says, Sin grieves the spirit and it quenches his work in our lives and in our ministries. 1 Corinthians 5.19. 1 Thessalonians 5.19. It's very hard for the Holy Spirit to use, fully use an unholy vessel. So if we are harboring private sin and think, God is using us, God is using me anyway, God is using me anyway. I want you to imagine how God could have used you, could have done things through you, if you were completely surrendered to him. That's why I said, the blessing of God on my life, on your life, will affect me. When God removes that blessing on your life, on my life, it will affect you. Deny it. Try to deny it. You can't deny it. And Numbers 32 verse 23 says, Be sure your sin will find you out. This is why we need a savior. This is why we need grace. This is why we need forgiveness. This is why we need the cross. Without the cross, we cannot measure up. No man on earth, absolutely none, who always does the right thing and never does what is wrong. All of, us, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 Each one of us have got our fallen shorts. I have weaknesses, you have weaknesses. Both of us, the pastor and the congregation, weaknesses. We just have to thank God he forgives. Eh? Hallelujah. None of us can measure up to God's perfection. So he doesn't expect you to be perfect, but he expects you to own up and admit that you don't have integrity in some of these areas. And you say, God, I don't get it right. I am a flawed individual. I make a lot of mistakes. I'm not always unselfish. There are some days, Lord, I am selfish. I'm not always kind to everybody. There are days, God, I'm not kind to people. Even in the way I speak to them. You know what, God? I can't say I always keep my promises. I, the God, the promises I've not kept are more than the ones I've kept. I don't like it. Father, I will not lie to you that I do my best. Because truth of the matter is, there are days I just don't do my best. I'm fed up with this job. I'm fed up with this marriage. I'm fed up with this church. There was a time I was not doing my best even here. And if you ask me, I was saying, 
You know, that's what Elijah told, Elijah told God. He says, no, God, I, I'm tired. I just, I, I, I don't. And you know what God said? He says, okay, it's fine. Choose a successor. When Elijah said, oh, no, 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 no. God says, okay, choose a successor. Elijah was chosen. He says, okay, then be coming home. Some of you will go home sooner. Because God can't change you. And he is afraid you will backslide forever. So he says, Azibirako. I'm not saying that's the only reason, but it happens. Amen? Hezekiah, he cries before God, Lord, you know what I've done. Lord, you know what I've done. And God says, okay, I'm going to extend your life by 15 years. I think, to be honest, it would have been nice if Hezekiah died. Because when Manasseh was born in the 15 years, there's never been a wicked king who has risen up in Israel as Manasseh. Amen? So some of you, when you are sick, this is how I will pray. I will say, Lord, heal Macduff if it is your will. Because God's will may be Macduff. If I heal Macduff, let him come home. So we need to t- tell God this and say, God, you know what? I can't say I don't gossip always. I do. And, and you know what? I do. But in the deepest parts of my heart, in spite of my sinfulness, I want to do the right thing. I want God to help me. I want to be a man of integrity. So me, the pastor, I will, I will not tell you I'm a man of integrity. I'm working in progress. I just want to be a man of integrity. And I just want to believe that God looks at me and he says, he doesn't say, oh, what a failure. But I think at least he says, Macduff has a heart for me. And I'm going to bless him. Because he's interested in my heart. So, you are never going to be what? Perfect. You are never going to be sinless. But at least you can sin less. Hallelujah. You can sin less. It's a choice. It's a choice of integrity. And it starts being honest with God on those six things I have said. And those things, for them to happen in your life, it will be by the power that comes with the grace of God. And it's God's word that keeps us pure. And this is the sole reason and the only reason why we thank God for the cross. Because if it wasn't for the cross, we would have gone under like Achan. But his grace has kept us. At the end of the service today, I had some people last week who said they would really love to preach. I want to see all of you. You remember yourselves, right? I've got an assignment for you. So all those who said they would really love to preach in church, I would love to see you at the end of the service because I have an assignment. What? Now you, now you don't want to say assignment. 
But everybody who said, you want to preach in church. Remember last week? Remember? I have got what now? An assignment for you. So let's meet immediately after we close with a word of prayer. I'm sorry I've taken a long time, but I needed to finish this part because I needed to give you an assignment for this week. So you now have what? Homework. Assignment. I'll see you on Sunday and I'll check how much you kept. Because now we want to begin to become men and women of what? Integrity. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you, I want to bless you, I want to worship you. We don't always get it right. And we mess up all the time. But you've still been very gracious with us. Thank you for the cross. Just, just say a word of prayer this morning before we walk out. I just, I just want you to say, in your own words, I, this thing that we do, sh- 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 sh. I just want you to pray and say, Lord, you know what? I don't always keep my promises and, and I don't like it. Let's just pray. Let's just pray. Play for me a keyboard. Just pray a keyboard. I want them to pray. He says, you confess with your mouth. Don't pray in the heart. Don't say, I'm praying in the heart. Open your mouth. I've already told you mine that I, I gossip and I don't like it. Sometimes I do. And don't like it. Sometimes I don't keep my promises, Lord, and I don't like it. Lord, I am a flawed individual. And I don't like it. Sometimes I use your money and I don't like it. I want to admit God, but I am not a man of integrity. But at least my heart is for you. You know, you know God, you just know how flawed I am. You know, you know how, how much weakness I have. And, and I just want to ask God that you help me. David, you called David a man after your own heart. And yet you look at the mess in his life, God. But he was a man after your own heart. So your word says to me, says to us, if I say I have no sin, I deceive myself. And the truth is not in me. Because I fell so many times. But Lord, I pray, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I surrender to you. Take full charge of my life. Help me, Lord. Just follow me in this prayer and say, help me, Lord. Follow me and say, help me, Lord. I am flawed. I have weaknesses. My life has been in segments. I don't always keep promises. Sometimes I gossip. Sometimes I take, I use your money. Sometimes, Lord, the things I do, I wouldn't want people to know. You know this secret part of my life. And I don't like it. And Lord, what I ask, because of the cross and nothing else, let my heart be right before you. Help me in my walk with you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for the cross. Amen.